Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My first choice of being self-isolated was for six months. My wrong way around the world was 178 days. Welcome to the Adventure Podcast and the sixth episode in our series of Solitude Specials. This episode features world-renowned sailor Dee Kafari, who, as with many of the other guests in this series we've spoken to before in one of our main features. For those of you who haven't listened to that, Dee has sailed around the world six times. Uh, she was the first woman to sail single-handed and non-stop around the world, and in 2006 she became the first woman to sail solo non-stop around the world against the prevailing wind, so the wrong way. So as is probably obvious, Dee is no stranger to spending time on her own. And in this episode we talk about just that, uh, sailing around the world solo. In addition, we also talk about um, being an Olympic hopeful and advice for people who are new to spending long periods of time alone and the positives that we can take away from this coronavirus pandemic and Dee's hopes for the future. If you regularly listen to this podcast, then we hope you're enjoying these Solitude specials. And if you've only joined us recently, then there's a whole wealth of longer form content and interviews with some of the greatest adventurers and explorers in the world already online for you to listen to. And if you are enjoying the podcast, then please do leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, They really do make a big difference to us. Okay, over to Dee. Where are you supposed to be right now? Well, I'm talking to you at the start of Easter weekend, and that kind of is the start of the sailing season in the UK. And had this been normal as what we knew in the past, I hopefully would have been on the water racing. And it's a coaching regatta, the Easter regatta. So there's on the water coaches giving you advice. It kind of just blows off the cobwebs, gets everyone back in the field for things before we start the offshore racing series for the rest of the year. And this was all with a long-term view, looking ahead to Olympics 24, that there's a new sailing discipline in uh, the sport of sailing, and it's going to be the mixed double-handed offshore. So I was looking to do some of that starting this year, getting that environment and kind of hone my skills and kind of put myself in amongst it to see if I could... uh, go the full full way but um obviously now there's no event and we're not outside and we're not on the water so um I'm now at home (laughs) enjoying my garden I'm grateful for a garden in this weather as I say that's my next question is what are you doing instead of sailing yeah so without the sailing and there's no kind of 
we, we don't really know what tomorrow, what next week, what next month's going to be. So there's a lot of cancellations, postponements, rearranged dates um, in the sailing calendar. And I think with this unknown, you know, people are having to look elsewhere. So I am at home, which my dog is absolutely loving the fact that I'm at home all the time. My long-suffering boyfriend of 18 years is also at home, and I don't think we've ever spent this much time together at home. So that's interesting, but we're working around that. And I'm grateful that since we've had the restrictions in place, we've had some really beautiful weather in the UK after a pretty miserable start. So the fact that I have a garden, I'm aware of how lucky I am compared to so many people that aren't in that position. So I've been enjoying that and uh, making the most of having time, time and space. So kind of, you know, filling my days um, with some stuff that I wouldn't normally do. What does making the most of it mean? For me, I think because we live in quite a busy world that is chock-a-block with things, we react to things really quickly. This, I think, has given everybody time and space, kind of capacity, mental capacity, physical capacity to kind of sit back and reassess and reevaluate, maybe change priorities in life. Um, it's kind of been enforced on us. And I think if if you can manage the fear factor and the anxiety and you listen to all the really wonderful advice that's available online and through different platforms of how to deal with the self-isolation and that you can actually make this time quite a productive time, I think, for the individual. You know, I'd like to think that I come out of this having achieved something, not thinking, oh, if only I'd done that when I had time to do it. Did you naturally fall into that mindset as soon as Boris said, stay at home, or... Did it take some work to get there? No, I think by we chatted earlier and, um, you know, when you're used to um, being in nature, being in the natural environment, you know, curveballs are thrown all the time. So you have this kind of open mindedness and willingness to adapt to the situation at the time. So I think, you know, I'm quite open to being flexible and changing things. But what I did have to address is almost I had to kind of take my own advice a little bit in that I had anxiety of not seeing future work or um, an income coming in. And, you know, I like to have that security. And without that there, I was a bit panicky. And I think, you know, I took some of my own advice of control the controllables and don't fret about things you can't control and stuff and just kind of did my own advice of prioritizing and kind of focusing my attention in other areas so kind of structuring my day with a different focus in mind do you think that you know past experiences solo sailing or leading teams has created that mindset in you or do you think it was something that you've always had i would say that i'm probably more aware that i've got this mindset or this ability to be quite practical methodical logical and kind of very structured um through practicing it so i i may have had little bits of that because i i'm quite a structured person i'm quite a planner but i think having had to execute that in life and death situations when you're in the southern ocean on your own or when you're taking 10 other people into the southern ocean for the first time you know you you rely on that kind of procedure behind you to 
give the structure and security to those around you that are looking at you for for the right way ahead kind of thing yeah okay and if i'd we'd had this conversation four weeks ago um before we knew any of this was a thing and i'd said to you oh can you talk to me about or tell me some stories about times where you've been either on your own um or had to survive on your own like what does solitude mean to you what first springs to mind um i i would have gone along the similar lines of the story but probably not been quite so emotive about it like not so personal about it so my first choice of being self-isolated was for six months my wrong way around the world was 178 days that I chose to be out there on my own so obviously not enforced but that emotional roller coaster that I experienced you know I'm listening to people and reading comments you know and you have to limit yourself to how much external influence you have at the moment otherwise it can carry you away in the wrong direction but when you read some of those thoughts and processes that people were going through you know I'm very much aware that I had that journey of learning over that six months in that environment and how important routine is for your day structure in your day so you feel you have purpose and uh, you know being grateful for things so people are connecting with family members that they wouldn't do so normally and you know kind of changing your priorities a little bit and people working from home for the first time that adaption and how they remain focused without getting distracted and how they manage you know suddenly being a teacher and a an employee and managing a house all at the same time in the same place you know it's alien for people and a little bit of that that you know lack of commute that people have is when they have that time to process the day so suddenly these relationships are under extreme stress because it's 24 7 in the same building with people and people just aren't used to that and having learned to live with myself 24 7 for a long period of time you know I've experienced these ups and downs and the pitfalls so it was really nice to share a little bit of my experience and I put out a blog of you know the lessons I learned and I was blown away by the traction that that created and they say it's timing, you know, I probably got it out just ahead of all the other solo sailors. Um, but what's reassuring is that we're all saying similar things. So, you know, I'm not extreme in my learnings. We're all kind of have learnt the lessons and are passing on very similar messages and hopefully helping everybody else adapt to the, the new normal for them. Yeah. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And obviously, you know, point people towards that blog, but what, what are the... Um, well, what were the surprises? What did you find on the six months on your own um, 
either that you missed or that you learned that you weren't expecting to? I think, um, you know, you learn a lot about yourself, um, your your self-motivation and your resilience and resourcefulness. You know, you have to find the motivation within all the time. And, you know, you can imagine at the moment people are sat at home now. It's very easy just to switch on to the next episode and get another packet of biscuits. But actually, this is a really amazing time for if you can be disciplined and have the motivation to attack a new fitness goal. There's so much content out there to support you doing it. You know, why not? For me, I I mean, I'm rubbish at running, so I don't like it. And I don't do yoga, but I'm very aware that as I get older, this is probably going to benefit me. So they're the two things that I've kind of taken on. And it's okay, on three days a week, I my outing, I'm going to go for a run. And I'm upping my mileage. And actually, you know, I don't look forward to it. But the transition has been that I'm getting used to it and upping my mileage all the time. And I've gone from not running at all to averaging 30k a week over the last three weeks. And I'm just like, wow, I'm almost addicted to that kind of, you know, challenge that I've taken to myself. And then the hilarious thing is watch me develop my yoga each day. It can only be a good thing. And these are things that I'm not good at. So then you don't choose to do them. But also I wouldn't do them in public because I'm not that good. So, you know, it's, it's been quite an interesting kind of focus for me to do something so different. And that's all about that discipline, that motivation and resilience to kind of make yourself do it when you haven't got an external influence. And that's what I learned quite a lot sailing was it can only come from me. I had to make it happen. And do you struggle with that motivation? Are there like pitfalls for you? I think you always have good days and bad days. I mean, the weather helps me massively. I'm definitely one of those people with sad syndrome. So I absolutely love the fact the sun's in the sky. And I like being outdoors, as we know. So, you know, I'm, it's easier for me to kind of, you know, get going. But, you know, yeah, your body's a bit tired and it aches a bit. And the first five minutes you think, oh, God, I'm going to die and this is not good. And then you go, well, I'll get to the end of the road or I'll get around the next corner. And it's a bit like when I was sailing, when the weather was great, it was the next great cape or the next ocean. When things were a bit more difficult, it was the next weather system or the next cup of tea or the next meal. And, you know, my run is a little bit like that. The next lamppost, the next tree. okay, the next road. Oh, this is great. Yeah, I'm on the homeward, homeward lap. Yeah. And then when it comes to things like long term goals or sudden disappointment so let's say you're looking at olympics 2024 which is a fairly ambitious um big long-term goal how do you deal with the sudden disappointment of not being on the water this weekend and and keeping motivation to carry on with that goal yeah and i think it's very similar to any discipline you choose it's always multifaceted so yes the ultimate is performing in a boat and making your boat go faster than anybody else's and ultimately winning the race. But the practical sailing is only one aspect of it. So there's also my personal fitness. There's also, you know, my knowledge and strategy and tactics with the other boats. There's learning about the weather. There's thinking about boat design and how you can adapt something to make it better. So there's a lot of theoretical side of it and alternative elements that all come together to make the performance so even though I might not be actually sailing, there's still an awful lot of learning and preparation I can do. And when we're in our everyday life that we know as normal, 
we don't have time to do half of that stuff. So now it's almost like there's no excuse. And uh, it's a little bit like the jobs list at home. It's always a jobs list at home, but I'm never home normally to do it. So now there's no excuse. So yes, the paintbrush has been out. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's good. It's so I, I need to like, I need to stop saying it soon, but it's incredible how everybody I talk to about this, they're such different people with different goals and different objectives and different backgrounds. But the response is, it's not quite identical, but it almost is, you know, to routine and to long-term goals. And there really are some interesting, you know, crossovers between everybody, whether it's yourself or Ben Saunders or, you know, whoever. Um, the one question I haven't asked anybody else that I'm going to ask you is, if if we were to have a conversation in three years where I said, what did you learn in the six months following the um, quarantine and during the coronavirus pandemic, coronavirus pandemic, what do you think you'd say? I would actually talk about the change of human nature. So, you know, the fact that we all stand outside our doors on a Thursday at eight o'clock and clap to support, you know, our unsung heroes, the, you know, the essential key workers. You know, that's never been heard of before. And I know we're living in unprecedented times, as we say, but you know, the the state of community coming together, the kind of your reassurance and faith in humankind has kind of been put back in line again. And you kind of do believe that people do care and they will do that extra step for, you know, the vulnerable or the weak or the poorly. And, and they do want to help um, for the well-being and not just for self-profiteering. And I think, you know, if anything... We're living a minimalist environment now, you know, only essential shopping, very controlled in what we're allowed to do. But it's all about the love and the care for the people. And our people that we're celebrating at the moment are not our top 10 on the rich list. You know, these are everyday people that empty my bin, that are giving out medicines, that are stocking the shelves for me to go shopping. And I think if we can readdress this balance and keep that goodwill going... You know, for me, in three months' time, it would be that restored my faith in mankind and that human touch. Do you think that, I mean, we started to touch on it before we pressed record and all this, but do you think there'll be any other positive consequences or positive outcomes from this? Well, my my hope and my dream is uh, we talked, yeah, because we both travel for a living and have had the opportunity to do a lot of travel as well but that there's some very clever science people that are doing a lot of thinking about what the new future is going to look like. And if we look at the impact that this relatively short period of lockdown that we've endured so far has had on the environment, that I would just be heartbroken if we were to go straight back to where we were and just damage it at the same rate as we were before. You know, Mother Nature's pressed this button for a reason, and the fact that the water is getting cleaner, the air is cleaner with less travel, nature's you know, enjoying itself a bit more. We're all seeing a bit more of, uh, of the wildlife coming out. And I just hope that the future doesn't kind of kill our planet at the same rate we were before, but something changes. We realise that the scientists are good about the virus and the scientists are speaking about the environment and we probably should listen to them too. Yeah, and then so... Finally, I guess, 
what do you think are the little everyday changes we can make to ensure that we are part of that positive future? I think that if we can all just remember how we're living now, so, you know, we're, we're probably not as our priority isn't, oh, would I like that? Can I afford it? It's now, do I need it? And if we can all kind of go forward with that mentality a bit more, and, and we will do for a certain amount of time because, you know, the financial strain on everybody with the change of the economy is going to be massive. But if we can all just think of do we need it rather than would we like it and can I afford it, then we will all kind of reduce our take-take nature and hopefully continue the giving nature and the, the kindness side of things that we, we're seeing more and more each day. Brilliant. And then very, very finally, for those that are struggling and those that aren't coping particularly well, I mean, so you've led teams of fairly green sailors, right? Yeah, yeah. I've had a whole mixture of abilities and very good sailors, but in strange environments. So, so what would you say to people who are struggling to adapt or react to the change in circumstances? What advice would you give them? I would say to everybody that um, to remain positive, which isn't easy, but just remember the bad stuff doesn't last forever. And, uh, you know, we're weathering the storm and the storm will pass. And I've seen that on a number of the rainbows celebrating the NHS at the moment. And it's so true. You know, we talk about that on boats all the time, that, you know, the storm won't last forever and we will get through the other side of it. And I think that's really relevant now. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit theadventurepodcast.co.uk. You can find us on Instagram at theadventurepodcast, on Twitter at theadvpod, and you can email us at info at theadventurepodcast.co.uk.